lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Actually, Wednesday. See, I can't even keep track of the days anymore. This is what happens when you get close to Christmas break. And then you've got a long weekend coming up. The days just kind of run together. Greetings. Happy Wednesday. Let's try that again. We are live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. Merry Christmas to all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, which you can access by emailing the program, steve at stevedace.com. Again, that's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And then you can look for us if you don't like censorship, and you should not. Uh, so look for us instead over on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. Just look for Steve Dace there. <clears throat> and then you can get clips of the show, which you can watch for free, that are also free of any censorship. When you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show, once more, rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. If you're looking for our COVID stand Christmas special parody. It is there at uh, rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. If you're looking for a couple of Christmas gifts, I- gift ideas here at the last minute, I've got a couple of quick ideas for you. First of all, totally self-serving. Uh, my new book is out now. Uh, it's a study guide for winning the culture war. It's called Do What You Believe or You Won't Be Free to Believe It Much Longer. You know me, Todd. I like, to, I like subtlety. Make people kind of guess what it is I am talking about. So much gray area in your life. Indeed, it is. Uh, you know me. I, I walk that murky middle on a consistent basis. All right, but uh, this book, by the way, I should mention, endorsed by uh, several best-selling authors like uh, Jay Warner Wallace, David Limbaugh, Glenn Beck, our own colleague, Ali Stuckey, and more. It's kind of my own homage and update of Francis Schaeffer's classic from 40 years ago, uh, The Christian Manifesto, A 21st Century Culture War requires a 21st century battle plan. And that's what this book is. You can get your copy. We went right for paperback to make it as cheap and affordable as we possibly could. Get your copy right now at Amazon.com. There's discussion questions written by Todd uh, for you. If you're in a group setting and you want to discuss it afterwards, it was meant for that too. Uh, Do what you believe or you won't be free to believe it much longer. Uh, It is available right now at Amazon.com. Also, who doesn't want socks for Christmas, right? But these are not just any socks. Limited edition, patriotic socks available today. By the way, buying these, not only do you make your statement with the Let's Go Brandon Christmas patriotic Christmas socks, but you also help to support the 1,200 American jobs that it took to uh, produce, create, and distribute these socks as well. So if you want to get your pair, go to blazesocks.com right now. BlazeSocks.com right now. This might be the first time your old man or your grandpa will ever be happy that he got socks for Christmas, right? That's usually the throw-in gift, except these come with a very special message of Let's Go Brandon holiday cheer, right? So BlazeSocks.com is where you can go to snatch these up right away. Order your limited edition patriotic socks today. Support American jobs. Support America at blazesocks.com. All right, coming up on the show here today, um, we will begin with our favorite little ditty called Buy, Seller Hold coming up here at the bottom of the hour. And we'll be joined next hour by our good friend and colleague, Daniel Horowitz. Now, we typically start the show in a certain fashion, but today we have an urgent matter to address. And so we won't be doing that today. And trust me, if, if we are going to preempt Aaron's montage... 
we would not do so frivolously. Day to day, it's the most popular segment we do on this show, or at the very least, one of them. We will, however, air Aaron's montage in the overtime today and then discuss it as we would typically do on a typical day. But today is not a typical day for this show. Right? So if you are a Blaze TV subscriber, you will get to watch Aaron's montage later today at blazetv.com slash dace. We will record that right after today's program concludes. And then it'll be posted for you after it's uploaded there later today at blazetv.com slash dace. That's also where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber at a discount today. Again, when you go to blazetv.com slash dace. We have an urgent matter to address here today. And I want to let you guys know on what is going on because it's it's been um, a five-year journey from the time the contract was signed with my book, A Nefarious Plot, to sell the film rights to the, to the book. It's been a five-year journey from there to now that we are in downtown Oklahoma City attempting to finish the filming of Nefarious. And I'll... I'll tell you why I use the word attempting there in a moment, okay? But first, let me start with, with the good news. I told you for the longest time, I, I wasn't at liberty to tell you who our cast was um, or more about our cast. I can now do so. And a popular movie blog actually did a nice little write-up about our film yesterday. Uh, I've linked it up on all my social media accounts. If you want to go find it on Twitter, Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, Gab, they're all there. Of course, the main thing you all want to know is who's going to play Lord Nefarious. And Lord Nefarious is going to be played by Emmy Award winning actor Sean Patrick Flannery. Uh, and I'm sure many of you remember him from films like Boondock Saints and Powder and he's in the upcoming third season of The Boys on Amazon, which is one of the most popular TV shows uh, in the country right now. They're actually going to film another Boondock Saints movie, uh, him and Norman Reedus will, later this year. Uh, so he will be playing Lord Nefarious. And so we are, we are extremely excited about that. So you can get more information, that blog link about the cast and the production uh, it's, again, linked up on all of my social media accounts. I posted it last night if you want to go and find it. So um, before we get to the rest of the news, you guys have a thought on that? The fact that you just got to say it out loud yeah. so much, like the five-year context of this, this nebulous, is this really happening sort of thing? Mm -hmm. This is really, I mean, a long time coming for you to just kind of be able to wallow and of course as you're about to tell people there there there's forces that aren't going to let you do that yes. quite so readily but nonetheless this is the biggest example you finally had to just kind of bathe in what is for anybody just like how did this happen how am i so lucky wow we filmed our first scene with sean at granite state prison as nefarious uh we filmed our first scene with him over the uh la or last week and I'm told that I don't want to tell you what we filmed. Trust me, you don't want me to spoil any of this, okay? But I'm, I am told that what we filmed with him at Granite State Prison were the first movie production to ever film inside a live, as in inmates and serial killers or, you know, and, you know, drug dealers are living there, okay? We're the first movie to ever film inside a live prison in Oklahoma, okay? And, um... 
I'm also told that the first scene we did with Sean as Nefarious was so realistic that I believe it was the night warden actually uh, issued some kind of an alarm or alert because he thought that there was something going on he was not aware of. Uh, There was an event that had transpired or was going down that, um, you know, put the prison security at risk. So that's a that's a pretty good compliment, obviously. I can't believe I haven't asked you this before, but wh- where does he hail from originally? Is he- oh, I don't know Sean's life story. That I think he's from guy. down south. If yeah. I'm not so mistaken. he is a he is he is American. No, I thought he might be British or Irish. Oh originally yeah, I don't know. Been, yeah, I don't know. The, oh, the question yeah. being was what if he had an accent originally? I mean, I've seen him in American stuff, but is what what accent was Nefarious going to be in? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know yet because. I don't you know don't even we, know. No, because wow. I don't think... We, well, that gets to the rest of the story here in a minute. We haven't filmed any dialogue scenes. Okay. Yet. Okay. So let me give you the other good news. If you've ever gone online, um, and, and you know, they used to include a lot of this stuff in the, in the DVD, you know, anniversary editions and stuff like that. And all that stuff's just available to watch for free on YouTube right now. But if you've ever... If you've never done so, and you know I have because I'm a fan of this genre and it's what I sort of pattern uh, Lord Nefarious after in a way. But go watch the making of movies like The Exorcist and The Omen. And it really was miraculous that these movies were completed. The stuff that went down on set, I mean, go look at The Omen. There was literally a terrorist bombing that nearly took out the entire director production crew at an Italian diner restaurant one night. There were plane crashes that killed crew and and directors and producers of the film. I mean, it was the the making of, of those kinds of movies. If you're doing them in a way that it shines the true light on evil, that it's not seeking to glorify it, it that you're you're making a warning. You're not, you're not making an homage. And if you, if you seek to do it well, and you're on the path to doing it well, and you are over the target, the enemy does everything he can possibly do to disrupt those productions. Now, both of those productions were done by major studios. In fact, I think the 20th Century Fox and Warner Brothers, two of the oldest in the history of this industry, they had, and at, at the time that they were being made in the 1970s, massive budgets at their disposal for making a horror film. And that's what we are making. It has a very faith-based message, but we are making a horror film. This is not nefarious, the nefarious redemption tour. Right? Aaron's had a chance to read the script. Todd, you didn't want to because you wanted to be the control group and watch it live. And Aaron can attest to the fact this is this is not the nefarious redemption tour. There will be no cheesy Christian conversions and with the good guys won and we figured it out at the just, end. Just to reiterate, I was very dubious, very skeptical. The guys who wrote God's Not Dead could do an effective horror movie. They nailed it. They knocked it out of the park. In fact, it landed in the river over there. Yes. It's that good. Yes. And that's and so what happens when there's plane crashes on the set of the omen or the exorcist and you're backed by major studios and you have you know an obscene amount of money the gross domestic product of a latin american nation as your budget and there are weeks and months of of delays because of that or a lot of illnesses and the things that went on in the exorcist set 
the studios can absorb those costs and see it through to the end. We are facing a situation where we already had to delay this movie once because of a massive COVID outbreak during the Sunbelt wave in Oklahoma. That's part of it. And it hit us, hit our directors, put them both in the hospital, numerous other members of our, of our, of our, of our crew before we even began filming. So we had to delay this once. We had to absorb that cost. And that, that absorbed our cost another 20%, uh, rose them another 20% for making the film because we had to start all over again. We're now in a situation where, even though Oklahoma is a right-to-work state, the unions are attempting to shut our movie down. They, our, our directors were greeted Monday morning. They were excited. First day, Nefarious is going to now be revealed in all his splendor and glory on set there in downtown Oklahoma City on a fantastic set that we have uh, down there for the film. They were greeted at 5.30 in the morning by a strike. There was no vote. No grievances filed against the production. Let me repeat that. There was no strike vote. No grievances filed against the production. They were just greeted with a strike by the union representing the, uh, the, the, the movie crew. The union offered us no deal to even negotiate with them. Now, we don't necessarily think we have to do that. It's a right-to-work state. We didn't even have to use the Screen Actors Guild Union. We chose to do that, though. We didn't have to do that. We chose to do that. Oklahoma, again, is a right-to-work state. So the union representing the crew wants their cut of our movie. And their standard fee is to take like 5% of the gross of the movie. This is a shakedown. They have threatened several members of our crew, our makeup designer, our script supervisor, They've reduced them to tears. You will never work in this industry ever again if you cross the picket line. Again, let me reiterate. There were no grievances filed. There isn't, there isn't even a grievance on this sheet. It's called page two when a strike notice goes out. There were no grievances. No one filed any grievances. Everybody was being treated very well. There was no strike vote. If there had been, they wouldn't have voted to strike. The majority of our crew wants to work, wanted to work, still wants to work. And what's happening in the state of Oklahoma right now is nefarious forces are attempting to stop this movie. Now, what they, what, what in their hearts, what they believe is happening is that they're going to stop the guys who made the most impactful pro-life film of all time, unplanned, and there is no close second. They're going to stop them from taking advantage of Oklahoma's film tax credit program, which allows us to film at a, at a budget level beyond what we were capable of because of the rebate we know that we have coming on the back end once we're finished. That's how we were able to produce the spectacular set that is sitting there on that massive soundstage in downtown Oklahoma City for the budget that we have for this movie. What they think they're doing here is just union thuggery. And let's pick on this conservative film by these um, successful conservative filmmakers 
We definitely don't want them to cross over into the mainstream. We own those streets. This is our genre. We're in control of it. You guys don't get to do this. And you sure as hell don't get to do it without giving us our cut. We don't care what Oklahoma's right to work laws are. We don't care what the laws of Oklahoma are. We don't care that the law in Oklahoma says you can't intimidate workers like this. You can't threaten them future prospective employment if they cross a picket line for employment now. You can't do that under Oklahoma law, but they're going to do it anyway. Because as we see with vaccine mandates and everything else, this is how the spirit of the age operates. It operates with impunity and flaunting things like laws and codes. And it will do so until you defy it and punch it back. So they think that this is just a typical power play. We own this industry. And you won't be able to go to a red state, a right-to-work state like Oklahoma, and get around paying us our cut by hiring people independent of us. No, we will control the Oklahoma Film Tax Credit Office, too. We'll, we'll, We'll control the Oklahoma Film Commission. We will control it all. And we're going to use your little movie, that's what they think, as the example, because you can't fight back. Here's what they don't know. What they don't know is one of the producers of the film, me, happens to be very politically connected. That's what they don't know. What they don't know is we've already mobilized the governor's office on this. What they don't know is I just got done literally five minutes before the show ended, and you guys overheard it, finishing a call with the state attorney general's office, alerting them to the urgency of this matter. We're not your typical independent conservative film. Not by a long shot. Here's what they also don't know, though. Those assets on the ground that we have, and I am heading down there tomorrow, to basically set up a political... I thought I was just going to go down and enjoy watching a couple of days of filming of my movie. Turns out, I'm not out of the campaign business. I'll be going down there to set up a political command center, basically, to oversee the political aspect of this fight so that my guys can just make a hell of film. But that's okay. You know, I've told you guys off-screen and off-camera many times as we contemplated this moment that we would get this level of resistance if we were doing this well, looking at precedents of other films that have attempted to do this in this genre, right? We've had these conversations. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have. I don't have an issue with that. That's what I was put on earth to do. I'm happy to do it. But see, we have an even bigger asset than the assets on the ground that we have, the, the political relationships that we have to help with us here. That bigger asset we have is all of you. Because... See, they think this is just another operation of union mob thuggery, but it's not. This is a father forgive them. They know not what they do. There's a lot more playing out here, folks, than just what they think it is. They think that this is, we will control the Oklahoma Film Commission. We won't let independent filmmakers get around our union thuggery, especially people making conservative content. We certainly won't do that. Oh, no. We're playing, as I said in Nefarious Carol, the sequel book. We're playing for much bigger stakes here, Ray. See, this is the enemy himself. He doesn't want this movie made. And so, as I talk about, frankly, in in that book right there, 
This is going to require what we're up against in this culture right now, in this spirit of the age. It's going to require a different level of, of, of tactical response than what we've done before. I know there are some prayer warriors in this, off, in this audience because we have not been able to film for now. This is the third day in a row. The union actually, the, our workers are so don't want to strike. They've actually not even striking this morning, most of them. So the union it now brought in agitators from out of state. They're even, they've even admitted, yeah, we're not even involved in this. We're not even involved in the production. We're just here to, you know, we're at professional agitators. Like we've seen them do in Wisconsin when we when they stood with the unions there and in other places. This is the mobocracy, right? But we're playing for bigger stakes here. There is a nefarious enemy behind the scenes pulling the strings here. Now, we have an advocate and an ally too. And he happens to be undefeated in cosmic history. Sometimes, admittedly, in our finite human minds, the winds don't look the way we thought they would look at the time, right? Yep. And then months and years go by and you look back and you see how things played out, that whole Romans 8.28, all things work together for the glory of God and for those called according to his purposes. And you realize, huh, okay. I see more of the puzzle now. I, it, at that time, it had to go down that way and I didn't understand it, but now I can see why. And then sometimes you just get massive vindication in real time, like when you and I woke up one day and we had written, without even realizing it, the number one book in the United States of America, right? Yep. Sometimes you just don't know. He always wins. It just doesn't always look the way we think the win will and should look. He will win here too. It may not look the way that we want it to look at that time. There is a chance we won't be able to finish this film right now unless we are able to successfully get mobilization from the governor and the attorney general in Oklahoma that they will absolutely indeed enforce that state's right to work laws and defend those people on the ground that want to come to work, want us to pay them, and want to finish this project. The amount of darkness here, the amount of crew members we've had leaving who have our, 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 our site in the last two days who have left crying because their families have been threatened, their future employments have been threatened. We have one story of a gentleman who is, belongs to another union and his wife works on our crew and the other union who's not even involved in this production called and threatened him. The darkness here is thick because we're shining a light in the darkness. So I know we have some prayer warriors here. I know we even may have people here that are connected. I got an email one day from a guy named Ryan Walters. This was about two years ago. Who happened to be listening to our show, became a huge fan and, you know, wanted to start a dialogue. Turns out he was the secretary of education in Oklahoma. I had no idea. You never know who's listening to this thing. And he's been extremely helpful and has helped get us to the governor and to the attorney general, the call that we had with the AG's office this morning. But folks, time is of the essence. We are still paying for that stage and the cast and everybody else for these last three days that we have not filmed. We're not Warner Brothers and we're not 20th Century Fox. We can't fight this out for weeks and months on end with the union. We can't do it. Sooner or later, we're going to run out of money too. So we're doing absolutely everything we can on our end right now. 
But I thought here, and, and Aaron and Todd both suggested it as I was thinking it independently of them. And so I thought since you brought it up, I should definitely do it. They, the thought occurred to me, and Aaron and Todd just confirmed to go with it, that this is a large audience. This is a massive army. This audience produced one of the best-selling books in America earlier this year. And there must be somewhere in this audience, prayer warriors and somebody that knows somebody. You know somebody who is retired and doesn't care about their union card and wants to work on a movie. I'm, if you're, Your will's not good enough. We need experienced people, hands right now, okay? Because time is of the essence. We, just, we need people that, have, that know what they're doing. Otherwise, we'd be taking volunteers to do this or do that. We can't do that right now. There's millions of dollars in play right now trying to finish this movie. So maybe you know somebody who doesn't care about their union card or is retired, so it doesn't matter to them. And they want to make some money here before the holidays, finishing a film that the enemy has clearly demonstrated to you is on his hit list and he doesn't want made, which should only add to our incentives collectively to want to see it through. If you were wondering, were they going to blow this? Did they not know what they were doing? I think you now have the best confirmation of all we are over the target from the enemy himself. So if you know people that know how to work on film crews and don't care about what the unions think, the more voices we can get into the governor's and AG's offices, the better. I've brought a lot of my own connections, but this, you know, they got to run a state. This ain't the only thing they have going on right now. So the more people that we can, commu- that we can have communicating to them the urgency of this moment, And then just some good old-fashioned prayer warriors because this is some Frank Peretti-level stuff that's going on right now with us. My directors have, this ain't their first rodeo. They've been in Hollywood and for many years. They live there. And even they told me this morning, they've never seen anything like this. The level of resistance to this. They've never seen anything like it. Well, that should tell you that we're over the target and the stakes that we're playing for here. So I want to thank you guys, all of you listening and watching. I know this is not the typical way we start a show, but I want to thank you for indulging me and any, any assistance that is out there, even just your prayers, greatly appreciated. You guys have any thoughts? You've made this remark multiple times when discussing your process of writing Nefarious Plot. The five, six, seven years ago, whenever you started writing. What's the phrase that you've used, Steve? Sometimes when you stare into the darkness, the darkness starts to stare back. You've mm-hmm. used that phrase before. Mm-hmm. What happens when you, I don't know, shine a beacon at the darkness? What happens then? We're learning that right now. It doesn't just stare back, it glares back. And then it starts approaching you. <laughs> it starts approaching you, and that's what we're seeing here. I've said this to you on multiple occasions now, Steve. You're over the target. Sometimes you've said, I wish somebody else could be over the target. <laughs> Sometimes you've said, yep, just like you did yesterday. Um, this is a shot across the bow of hell. This is what basically, that shot across the bow of hell is basically what I've understood the macro mission of this movie has been since its inception. If you want to get behind a cause, if you want to get behind a cause that really is doing that, as Steve just reiterated, 
this should be proof positive that this is one. Maybe you don't know somebody with the union card. You know somebody who can pray. That's you. That's maybe somebody else as well. I see people in our comment section already. They said they're, they're praying already. Thank you for that. This is simultaneously scary because this has been a project for uh, and something looking forward to for Steve and for all of us here too just because we're happy for him for five plus years. But it's also confirmation. It also kind of puts a little bit of wind in the sails as well. So, again, pray if you can. If you know somebody with a, uh, as Steve said, that met that criteria, let us know. I remember when I was uh, editing uh, Steve's first couple chapters of this thing, and even I'm thinking in my head, this thing is, he's, I was most confident of it, that this was the thing he wasn't going to be able to pull off from beginning to end. And then there was a gap where he didn't come back to this for a while. I don't remember all the reasons. But just continuing a fictional narrative of this level of weight, um, it's clear from beginning to end, uh, God's hand has been on this thing. He's using Steve at his vessel. And uh, because of Steve's audience, all of you, you're all in this. You've been chosen as an army of light. It's a privilege. Carry it through. Thank you, guys. And thanks to all of you for indulging me. We'll return to regular programming here. So I just tried a new flavor or product at Built Bar. I don't know if it's a new product or not. It's new to me. I've never seen it before. It's called Built Bar Crave. And these are specifically, it's got all the same protein and everything that the regular Built Bar does, but these are specifically done to satisfy snack cravings, right? Uh, So like the flavor that I tried here just a, a few minutes ago was caramel and peanuts because that's what a lot of candy bars are like. And it was incredible. So because you know me, I am a man of science and objective reason and data. I grabbed one of the fun-sized Snickers uh, from the candy dish out here in the uh, front lobby at the building because I just felt like, you know, we've, we've, I need to verify a claim. I don't want to make false claims to the audience, right? I mean, I've talked for over a year now about how these things taste like candy bars. So I thought, you know what? Since, since this Built Bar Crave is specifically meant to substitute for your snack craving to get one of these instead of a candy bar, let me, let me see if it stacks up. So again, because again, I'm a man of science. I'm just, it's really just about science here on the show, right? I decided to bite the bullet and eat a fun size Snickers right after the Built Bar Crave. And I got to tell you, man, the Built Bar Crave was actually better than the fun size Snickers. Now, I would not advise you take that taste test, okay? I'm willing to take on, though, those added extra calories for you because that's just the kind of guy that I am. <laughs> How's this for a pitch so far? Is it going well? As well as all the other ones. <laughs> all right. So if you want to try Built Bar's Craves or their Puffs, if you like chocolate-covered marshmallow stuff, they've got some incredible new flavors for that. Uh, lemon-dipped cheesecake, ruby chocolate, which is incredible, or just the good old-fashioned Built Bars themselves. So many flavors, all covered in real chocolate, loaded with protein and flavor, not with carbs, sugar, and calories. Go to Built.com, B-U-I-L-T for Built.com. Use the promo code DACE. 
That's built.com promo code DACE to get 15% off. Uh, just as a follow-up to our conversation, I just got a text from a longtime listener to the show. Uh, and uh, and he said, hey, I'm here to help in any way I can here in Oklahoma. I'm not sure he wants me to give his name. That's why I'm not using it. Okay. Uh, but just so you're aware, I've spoken with the Lieutenant Governor, Matt Pinnell, and he's aware and has been working with the Attorney General's office as well. So thank you. Uh, Matt, this is We were told yesterday that the film... Uh, commission is actually uh, Lieutenant Governor Pinnell's kind of his baby. This is his idea to bring more business and stuff to Oklahoma. And it, it obviously was a great idea because this is the second time now that Believe Entertainment has brought a film production to Oklahoma. This is where Unplanned was made. It was made right off the campus at Oklahoma State University in Stillwater is where Unplanned was shot. Uh, and they enjoyed the experience so much they brought it back for a second film. But what if if you have those kinds as this uh, longtime listener to the show? If you've got those kinds of connections, uh, this is what I said to the AG's office right before uh, we went on the air today. Our people want to work. They need to know that the executive branch of the Oklahoma government will defend their right to work. That they will defend the state's laws. That they will not allow unions to come in and take control of the state and punk them in their own state and take and hold we had see i've seen this before we tried this in iowa we had a we had a a, a burgeoning film office in iowa do you remember this I do. Mm-hmm. several productions came here all right but here's the thing we set this up in iowa before we went at a time that the democratic the democrats had total control of state government and they were they were trying to end iowa's right to work law and the amount of corruption and everything else that we saw in our state, a very promising program for bringing business and, and attention to our state ended up becoming a, an embarrassment that we couldn't get rid of soon enough. This is what happened in Iowa. And if, we, if, and if Lieutenant Governor Pinnell and, and the Attorney General there and the Assistant Attorney General Downing, if they allow this to happen here with our film, then... The precedent will be set. They picked on our film because they knew we had a limited shooting schedule. They're trying to set a precedent that you don't go through the Oklahoma Film Commission to make a movie in Oklahoma. You go through them, that they're in control, and that the right-to-work law doesn't exist when it comes to making movies in Oklahoma. And if you decide, hey, the right-to-work law doesn't exist when it comes to making movies in Oklahoma, then maybe other unions will decide maybe it doesn't exist in some of these other industries then either, right? All right especially with the Biden regime in control of the NLRB. Maybe we can get all kinds of frivolous things and claims done to get rid of your right to work law. So there's more at stake for Oklahoma from a policy standpoint than just the making of our movie. You know, if, if, you're, if you believe in any kind of freedom, liberty, if you like your economic prosperity, go look at the standard of living and the job markets in states that have right to work laws compared to the states that don't. And... That's what this is about for them. They want to take control. Now, we're happy to be, on, on, on one respect, we're happy to be the film that they picked on because we do have the political connections to fight back here. When maybe another film with even a bigger budget wouldn't have these kinds of relationships or connections that, that could get an instant reaction within 48 hours from the governor and the attorney general. But we need those offices as much as we appreciate their instant response to us and attention. We need them to move quickly here. 
our people want to work. They need to know from the attorney general and the governor publicly, they need a vow, a promise that their right to work will be defended. That the laws of Oklahoma will not be circumvented by left-wing trash and union thugs from Austin, Texas and Hollyweird and New York City. That in Oklahoma, we are a red state and we will, we will uphold our laws against all enemies, both foreign and domestic here in Oklahoma. Our crew needs to know this because they want to work. They want to see this movie made. All right, Buy, Sell, or Hold is brought to you by our friends over at Keeps. You've got a million reasons. I just gave you another one to be stressed out these days. But don't let your male pattern baldness and receding hairline be another one. All right, go with Keeps. There's a reason why they have more five-star reviews than any of their competitors. It's all online with great convenience. You answer a few easy questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and a licensed physician gives you the right FDA-approved hair loss treatment for you. It's also uh, cheaper. They use the generic versions of the leading hair care products out there. So you save a ton of money, maybe even up to 50% off sticker price by going that route. And then they add even more savings on the back end. They give you half off your first order to get you started. When you go to keeps.com slash grow, that's K-E-E-P-S for keeps.com slash grow. Again, that's keeps.com slash grow. One last thing, just to give you the urgency of the moment. Uh, I think it's 50-50 we're going to be able to finish this film here where things stand. That's why I'm going to go ahead and go down to Oklahoma City right now and take my family and everything with me because you guys know me, man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm firing everything, I, every bullet and everything I have on the way out the door. Okay, I think it's 50-50 that we can finish this thing right now. So there is urgency of the moment right now. All right, Aaron, let's get to buy, sell, or hold. Buy, sell, or hold. You know the rules. Uh, are we are we still in our uh, Christmas cheer Any dispensation? Holds. Yes, yes. Any it, and yes. all holds. Yes. Nothing to do with Lindsey Graham. That's that's a good. You won't day. have to do anything to Lindsey Graham, and and now you won't have to let him do anything to you, which may even be more important at this point. But yes, understood. We'll begin with uh, Jim, you crazy son of a gun, you did it. Uh, who says Michigan gets down early against Georgia and puts in JJ for a spark of offense? He lights it up and never looks back. I think he's talking about J.J. McCarthy, our five-star backup. I mean, I I could see that scenario, but I also think if that were to happen, that Cade, would, if he's healthy, would still start the next game. There's a certain chemistry here right now that is working very well. These two guys get along very well. That, um, And as Harbaugh said recently, hey, any starting quarterback on any level of football is just renting the position, right? So I, I don't think they want to have... You know, a couple, a few years ago, Nick Saban got pissed off at Lane Kiffin's antics. Remember this? And fired him as his OC right before the national championship game. Then they went out and lost the national championship game. It, you don't want those sorts of things happening right now at this stage. This is rarefied air. There's only four teams left. I, I absolutely think they would go to JJ in that scenario, but I think Cade would start the next game and then they would come back in, you know, in February for winter conditioning and say, all right, it's open and may the best man win. The only way something like this happens is if, Georgia just like screams out to like a 35 to seven lead in the first half for some weird reason. And it would take a weird reason because both of these defenses don't let that happen. So I'm selling. I do appreciate though, after I just uh, bearing my heart out here uh, that we started with a Michigan football question to give me something fun uh, uh, to, uh, to recenter me. And boy, if you had, 
at some point Steve was going to say, I need to talk Michigan football to put me back in a good mood. On your, you didn't have that on your bingo card, man. Not you did not. Not at least since 2018, you have not. So thank you for that, Aaron. You bet. Up next, Darren Ray, top five most iconic wrestling entrance music of all time. No teams Ooh. or groups. Okay. And in no order. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, I'm down with that. Yes. Man, Stone. I never. I stopped watching. I don't even know what was his song. I don't. I, I remember the song and how it goes. I just don't remember what it's called. Yeah, I, yeah. I stopped watching wrestling by the time he was a thing. Uh, Hulk, he would be right at the end of my reign. Okay, was his ascension right? Hulk Hogan. Now this mm-hmm. is now. I mean, I was a Hulkamaniac man. Yeah. I, had the, I had the Hulk Hogan. I had the wrestling album. Okay, I am a real American. Remember that song? Fight for the you rights the of wrestling. every man. <laughs> Yeah, I had the wrestling album that WWF put out in the mid to late '80s, man. With all their like the all the theme songs for all their major wrestlers, I had that album. Okay, I still know all the words to "Real American" by Hulk Hogan by heart. All it's right? so funny that you're a contrarian because pop culture, you're just like when 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 they make the Steve Dace Museum at the end of the day, it is like pop culture everything. It's basically just a it's a collection of white trash. Um, delicacies <laughs> and um, desires. That's basically what it is, because that's what I am, man. White I'm just, trash, I'm just white. Tr- I'm just desires, white trash yeah. with big words, guys. That's all that I am. White trash with big words. All right. So uh, yes. next is Ric Flair. Oh yes. The thus spoke Sarah Hulstra, the 2000, the theme to 2001. Fire that up. To be the man, you got to beat the man. You got to walk that aisle. Man. Hell yeah, I'm in on that. Yeah. You see, he was, see, I'm in my happy place right now. I'm enjoying this conversation. My window was yes. so narrow. It was Hulk Hogan's heyday. Like, everything before and after that, I am utterly... I mean, I am like Jimmy uh, Superfly, Superfly Snooker, Snooker. Yeah. Tony Atlas. Yeah. Um, uh, now that's the early Hulk Hogan era. When like he was first coming up is when yeah. those guys were preeminent. Right. Yeah. Iron Sheik. Junkyard Dog. Junk. Oh, JY. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Yes. Oh, yeah, I love Ricky the Dragon goodness. Steamboat. That was. See, did, did you watch the wrestling cartoon? I watched that too, there, dude. I was no, in. There was a cartoon. Dude. Yes, there was, and I had yeah. the wrestling album. Yeah, look it up. I bet you somebody sells like old copies of it on eBay. There, Mean Jeans on the cover with all the WWF wrestlers at the time, mm. and this was all their just, intro song. I'm just letting Steve have the rest of this one. I don't belong here. The Ultimate Warrior. I don't remember his, but I certainly remember the intro. You know, so um, I'm in. Yeah, that's another good one. Uh, and The Rock. I mean, that's uh, that's right. So The Rock was kind of the, the Stone Cold was kind of on the way down as The Rock was on the way up. And that was kind of when I began to check out, you know. Um, but of course, I remember his intro and everything else. So this is a great list. I'm okay with everything on this list. I think the only wrestling music intro I know is actually John Cena. Dun, da, da, dun. Yeah, dun, I know that. Dun, yeah. Dun, dun. yeah, that's the only one I. And uh, who was it that used um, Bruce Springsteen's um, "Born in the USA"? It was uh, the the Express. Who was it? The 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 tag team duo. That was a great intro that they did too. And then what was um, um, the Nature Boys' big rival in NWA wrestling? Was Dusty uh, Rhodes? Dusty Rhodes, yeah. And you guys, by the way, you guys want to know where all, why he had all these scars on his head, on his forehead? Because the way they used to script the steel cage matches back in the day is it was just not believable that you would just keep getting your face thrown into a metal cage and not be cut up or bleed. And so, you know, they would tape yeah. their fingers. They'd have like little razor blades in there. 
Right. And so when they when like when when Flair would throw Dusty Rhodes at like Starcade '85 into the steel cage and he'd be down on the mat, you know, like like he's out of it, you know, with his hands down, he's cutting himself in order to make you know so that he starts bleeding. Cut a sacrifice yeah. for your craft, indeed. New Dark Ages moving on. Uh, with the workplace mandate uh, va- for vaccines falling apart, the spirit of the ages next play will be travel restrictions. Starting with all forms of domestic interstate travel, then moving on to public transit and uh, rideshare services. Here's the thing. I It would love to do this. It would love to do this. My, my only issue right now is that the spirit of the age has two things going against it at this point. It cannot win in court. It, it, it lost again yesterday, badly. Another universal injunction against the the Biden mandate was filed again, was was approved by a federal court again yesterday. And then you have the Omicron data. It's got a real life control group, guys, South Africa, where they're claiming Omicron originated in early November. I don't believe that, but but we'll go with we'll go with it. That's their story. We'll we'll stick with it. Okay. South Africa. I looked it up today. Only twenty five percent of South Africans are double jabbed. Only twenty five percent. South Africa in the last seven days. So Omicron gets um, acknowledged, I think, around November the 9th, November the 10th. So we're well into those lag period of, you know, infections and deaths that we're all familiar with from last year, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, In the last seven days, South Africa is 92nd in COVID death rate in the world among countries. 92nd, way down the list. Way ahead of countries like Canada that has like 78% double jabbed. The UK, uh, France... The United States, by the way, all those mandates, the U.S. has been at about 57% of people double jabbed here for a long time. Have you noticed that? Those mandates ain't gra- ain't forcing a bunch of people to go and get, not nearly the amount of people to go and get jabbed as they're claiming. We've been at 57% or thereabouts on the amount of people, quote unquote, fully vaccinated in this country for going on two months now. Hasn't moved the numbers substantially at all. So that's the problem the spirit of the age has. If... If it steps into this arena, then you're really looking at getting pimp slapped in the courts all over the place. If, if, they, can't, if they can't win in court on healthcare workers, they're going to win in court on you can't drive to Missouri to see grandma for Christmas. I don't, no way, no way, no way they're not winning there. So I, I have to hold here because I don't know how many L's more they want to take. They want to do this. I acknowledge that. They want to do this and more. They, they want to kill you if they could, frankly. And they have hundreds of thousands of people by denying yeah, their treatments. That's why I'm but, but if they tried this, I think it would last for like three minutes. I think there'd be an injunction against it in like three minutes. So I'm going to hold. I don't, you know, I don't know what, how much more water it wants to take here. Bye. <laughs> we'll come back and play more Buy, Seller, Hold here in a minute. We're back here for hour two, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. D-E-A-C-E is how to spell the last name. 
You can like us as well on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for us as well on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter, and then look at clips for the program for free that are also free of censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Uh, also, if you are a podcast listener, we love you because you're a huge part of our show's growth and success over the last couple of years. Please uh, do one more favor for us. Um, hit the subscribe button or the follow button. I think that's what they use on iTunes now. Leave us a five-star review as well. The more of you that do that, the more that um, the show continues and the podcast continues to grow. So thanks to all of you that have done those things for us already, each and every one of you. Uh, part two of Buy, Sell, Hold brought to you by Rough Greens. If you are a pet owner, you know all about Rough Greens because we've been talking about it for like a couple of years now. On the show, it's the supplement powder that you uh, put into your pet's food. And with that one simple act, you've probably restored the vast majority of vitamins, minerals, and nutrients your pet needs that was stripped out of their food uh, before it ever left the factory. Same thing they do with people food. Uh, they, they, they need it to last for a long time for mass consumption and distribution particularly now with Bidenflation. Uh, but uh, what that means, though, is we then have to go buy the supplements ourselves. That's why it's a huge industry nowadays. And now there's one for your pet. But you might be concerned, A, that it doesn't work, uh, and B, that it won't be worth the money and your pet won't like the way it tastes. How about we find out for free together? Now, we're going to ask you to pay for the shipping because we a lot of times you just hand people free stuff. They think it's of no value, Okay. So we want you to pay for the shipping so you're invested in one side of this equation because we really think it's helpful for your pet. Our dog, Cap, loves this stuff, all right? But we're going to give you that first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free. You get two full weeks to find out on us if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less when you go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F, that's how they spell it over there, roughgreens.com, or you can give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG. Again, and it's R-U-F-F, 833-ROUGH-DOG. All right, Aaron, part two, buy, sell, or hold. Let's go. Oh, let me turn my microphone on. Uh, we'll go next to John Baxter. To honor the spirit of the age, Rachel Levine will be the ceremonial coin flipper at this week's Army-Navy game. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, he is, right? The fir- isn't he the first female commandant or some, you know, thing, right? Isn't he? I believe. Yeah. yeah. Five-star, four-star, admiral-ish yes. thing. See, yeah. this to me is like the last one we did before the last hour. They would love to do this. Okay? But they're taking on water right now, guys. Okay? They just had to withdraw a literal communist nominee uh, yesterday. I mean... They're posting a lot of L's right now over there on the spirit of the age side of things. That might be why they're coming after us so hard. Okay, trying to oh, see, trying to fi- they're trying to pick on somebody they think they're going to get a W against because they are taking L's daily right now. So you guys are sending me stuff that I think they would love to do, but if but they but they have to know that if they do them, it just it just adds to the blowback. That awaits. So I will I I will sell, even though conceptually they would love to do this. Buy. There's until there's adequate blowback that everybody acknowledges is like, oh, there it is. They're just moving on to the next thing. Next, we will go to Paul Howard. After watching the Glenn Beck COVID special, every Theology Thursday should be eschatology studies and preparing for the end. (laughs) Well, now you guys know. 
Well, I spent a lot of time this summer watching End Times videos. And I, every time I mention this, by the way, a bunch of you email me. And by the way, I mean, I've gotten numerous emails already for people with film crew leads or themselves have film crew experience. Yeah, I'm working on it. I, I mean, yeah. thank you very much, man. Keep that stuff coming. I'm gonna I'm passing it on to our team in Oklahoma City right now in real time. So thank you for that. But I mean, um, every time I bring up that, I, I spent more time this summer watching End Times videos on YouTube than I did watching classic college football games for like the first time ever. You guys always want a list of like what I watch in the accounts. I don't know, guys. Uh, this is not my world. I'm not familiar with it. I've attempted to stay out of it, okay? Because I, you know, I liked the Left Behind books. I thought Nikolai Carpathia was uh, too one-dimensional of a villain. But what the hell do I know? I mean, Tim and Jerry only sold 300 million books. All right, so clearly they know something I don't, right? Okay, it's a little bit like saying to Bill Belichick, I don't know if I'd have called that defense on third down, you know. But um, um, uh, I've studied the topic a lot. I've seen it drive people crazy. I, I've told you before, I literally had a color-coded rapture chart guy come up to me in the Charlotte airport once, okay? And that's when we were first a national show and like total nobodies. We're just kind of somewhat somebodies now. You know, I'm like, how did they find me? So this isn't a topic that we've spent a lot of time even off the air among us discussing for fun. This is a CD world of YouTube. I'm not familiar with the accounts. I don't even know how legit some of the accounts I, I watched were. That's why I don't want to recommend stuff. I literally just searched end times videos, okay, and looked for stuff that had lots of views. And if it held my attention, I watched. If it didn't, I didn't. Uh, so it's more about the specific issue than a, than a particular, you know, stream of content for me. But this is why, this is why I did it, because... That the Glenn Beck COVID special that you guys watched. Now I learned several things I didn't know in that special. Okay, but that level of intimate discourse with COVID Stan is what we've been doing on this show for 21 months now. So now you know why. Okay, what's what was the conversation you and I had yesterday? Oh, it was about uh, Aaron how it would look how how oh, the yeah. end of this would look. Yep. And you and I kind of, you know, game planned out how we thought this would all end. And then we said to ourselves, this is likely how it ends, uh, what, what the end of this looks like, unless this is an end times mm-hmm. level event. And then this is all cosmic level stuff. Okay. So by the way, I should mention tomorrow, tomorrow on the show. So we, I'm gone the next two days to go down to Oklahoma City, hopefully help try to save the movie and then get to actually watch some of it at the same time, maybe. Um, but uh, we are going to have uh, new shows for you. We taped a couple of evergreens for you just about a week or so ago. And one of them is an entire hour on eschatology, like history made on this show. Okay? It's happening. It is. Now, I, I, I'm, I know there's other eschatological views, and I think we should absolutely, in the future here, uh, next year, book people that represent those views as well. Okay? Because... If you hear what the other people, what the other views of these things, the amillennial and postmillennial view say, they make a lot of hermeneutical sense as well, which is one of the reasons why I've been hesitant to be overly dogmatic about the issue. I will sell because eschatology, even in the end, is not the primary thing you should be talking about. Eschatology is a a clear and valid branch of study of theology, but it is not the main thing. You you get neck deep in the Gospels then, now, no matter what the season is, always. See, I totally agree with that. Um, and because... See, that's, the, that's fascinating. Ahead. I'm not, I'm not, you know me well, and I'm, I'm just not a pejorative, Todd. 
See, that's the answer that I was trying to give about uh, transubstantiation the other th- other day. To me, that's not the main thing about communion. That it's just fascinating, and it's that that, and I agree with that that uh, that analysis about eschatology too. I, I think when we do what, what, what you just warned against, it turns us into freak shows. Yeah. Because ultimately, don't we want Jesus to come back? I mean, I'd like to see my Lord riding on the clouds of heaven with a robe dipped in blood and a sword in his mouth. And and so that all the unions in Austin, Texas and Oklahoma City, Oklahoma could see it right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Don't don't we want that? Don't we want that? And yet when people get to the point where they've inverted their paradigm of this, where it's not that I'm studying the signs of the times because I'm longing for this event to happen. Okay. But I'm trying to game plan when it might and then eventually you've inverted the paradigm of what this event is really about. It's a wedding, guys. It's a culmination. Don't you want this? Don't we want this to occur as opposed to, I don't know, man, I think this might be the mark of the beast. In and in years ago, I haven't talked about this in a long time, but years ago, John Hagee, the, the famous um, pastor from, I think it's in San Antonio. Uh, John Hagee came out with a video. It was during the Bush administration. Uh, George W. Bush administration. And it was when they, I think, first launched Christians United for Israel. Okay. And um, and it was about the threat of Iran building a nuclear weapon against Israel. And I, I watched the first half of the video and I was tracking with the video the entire time. You know, talking about the, the, the specter of Iran and what it has, like, isn't it like right in Iran's constitution or their version of it? You know, the eradication of Israel and all this stuff, right? Okay. And that we just cannot allow Iran to have a weapon of mass destruction, especially as the number one exporter of terrorism, of Islamic terrorism in the world, right? So I'm, I'm like tracking with this thing the whole way. Then about this, halfway through the, the, the documentary shifts and it, it begins to make an eschatological case that Iran getting a nuclear weapon would be the war of Gog and Magog. That's, you know, in the premillennial eschatological viewpoint is often the kickoff event, Okay. Uh, from Ezekiel, was it 38 and 39, I believe, Aaron? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's kind of where this kicks everything off a lot of times in, in this interpretation. And I remember, and I was a baby Christian. If we're talking about the Bush years, I mean, I'd only, I mean, I had just gotten converted like in the last year or two. And I remember thinking to myself at the time, like, though, wait. So if we bomb Iran so that they don't have a nuclear weapon, which, by the way, I'm just like totally for, Okay. Um, if we bomb Iran so that they don't have a nuclear weapon, then up in heaven they're like, snap, we thought this was it. Back to planning. I, I'm, you know what I'm saying? That didn't make any yes. sense to me. Okay? Furthermore, I would think the temptation would be with this viewpoint to actually back away from world events. Like the temptation would be to try to create a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like to back away from world events and cultural engagement because seeing things go into decline almost affirms your presence, your, your, your premise more. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The, but the, in, instead, so this could very well be the, go, the, the war of Gog and Magog, but if we, if we level Iran's nuclear capacity, then it won't be. And it, it just like didn't I make said, any sense to me. Read the Gospels. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of end times, or should we just skip this one since we just spent a bunch of time? This one no, is from sorry, go ahead. the Overton Gaslight, uh, whose pronouns are he and ha. 
uh, says, Revelation was for the Church of John's day and may be interpreted as fulfilled using the allegorical symbolism of the era. But just as Satan has an antichrist ready for each generation, the fabric of reality is so deep that those prophecies will also fulfill modern eschatology. So this is... This this has language of a couple of the other views that I mentioned that have been predominant in church history. I mean, the the pilgrims, for example, they had a what we call today a post millennial view of eschatology. That's what drove them to believe that they could found a country or a movement or a culture on the on Christianity. That that was possible. Okay, and one of the things that he's referencing here, I believe, is is an eschatological view when he says that may be interpreted as fulfilled using the allegorical symbolism of the era. Um, this is what sometimes is referred to as preterism. And preterism, there can be full preterism, partial preterism, or just preterism. But preterism is the belief in amillennial and postmillennial circles that much of what John wrote about in Revelation did uh, did was fulfilled either because of the allegorical symbolism he writes about seven churches seven cities on a hill rome okay for example um uh, and um or was literally fulfilled it's only been in the last few hundred years that the church believed that 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 the full church most of the church believed that revelation was written in 90 ad or later for, for many, many years, most of the church believed that Revelation was written in 60 A.D. or, or, or thereabouts, and therefore was a, was a letter written to Christians who had watched the fall of, the, of either Jerusalem or had watched persecutions from people uh, within the Roman Empire, okay? So this is where we get into other eschatological views. I'll buy, be, just because I just think that a lot of very credible theological people have this view, does that make sense? So I think I'll buy it because legit people have this as their viewpoint. Yeah. Uh, this would be more in line with your viewpoint, frankly, from, well, from your church. Uh, I think it's called Supper of the Lamb, but Scott Hahn, former He's evangel- a former evangelical. I've minister heard him before. turned yeah. uh, Catholic theologian. He's, uh, the revelation is a, a foundation of the mass. So, and he breaks that down through the imagery uh, so that it, operates for the people of that time to found it, but then obviously operates throughout all time. And we're going down some interesting roads this week. I just think it's funny that we often have to deal with evangelical or Protestant attempts to debunk Catholicism. And Todd now just rolled out with, hey man, we got a guy who used to be one of y'all's. And now here's how he, here's how he drops knowledge on you. Says it because let's be fair. Because we are fair when you get taken out of context. This is often presented as one-sided. Only one side of this view yes. of this of this gap is attempting to discredit in some respects, correct. or shall we say, correct the other. It's that's that's not the case. That's how I knew who Scott was because I've I've heard him on like um, Catholic Answers radio. I've listened to some of that over the years, so I'm I'm familiar with some of his, his thoughts. Uh, anxious to hear Todd's thoughts on this as well, or both of your thoughts. Uh, this is from Nathan. His pronouns are beep, bop, boop. <laughs> Mary, did you know is not a good Christmas song. It's scripturally illiterate. Todd, I, do Catholics have a problem with Mary? Did you know? I I have no idea, but this room, I think Aaron, <laughs> you were the first one on the show to say something like, 
like there's Metallica songs that are more theologically accurate than most Christian worship oh, yeah, songs or yeah. something AC, like that. AC. Highway to hell. I mean, a lot. Here's the thing. I mean, it's it, very total depravity. If you listen to, yeah. if you read the lyrics of that song, yes. Especially during Christmas season, where there's a, I mean, this is Steve is preaches up there's a feel you know about it mm-hmm. and these songs clearly have a feel they give you the warm fuzzies but yeah if you if you pay attention to the words closely yeah i mean they're you're not necessarily dealing with the summa theologica so i don't i don't know I, if you can just let these songs be happy christmas songs instead of the gospels but yeah there's a danger in all this stuff becoming just this thin gruel of of uh, Dorito, you know, lo- low calorie nonsense or low nutrition nonsense. It's an interesting point. So I'll it, buy it. It's an interesting point, but I'm going to sell just because I think it's a beautiful song when it's done right. And even if it is scripturally illiterate, it's not an intent to deceive or heresy or anything of that nature. Um, the the song's intent is to is to magnify the very human aspect mm-hmm. of the transaction that occurs here of a, of just a regular woman, maybe as young as 14, depending on some historical estimates, who is impregnated with the Holy Spirit and given, in, and no one knows, really. No one knows, really. Um, and, and she's from the middle of nowhere, okay? And yet a cosmic event here as of... of, of Epic proportions has just taken place. And I think that's the that's the spirit and intent of the song. So I'll buy it. Real quick, I gotta get caught up on live reads, man. I'm sorry. Very Let me good. tell you about Omega XL. You know, you got 360 places in your body called joints between the top of your neck down to your feet, where lots of things, lots of pesky little things called inflammation can seep in. And when inflammation does, this can often cause chronic pain. That's that lingering soreness and achiness and pain that just won't go away. That's why you're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory backed by both 35 years of clinical research and then the last, going on two years now, of my daily usage. And it's called Omega XL. If you want to try it today, go to OmegaXL.com slash Steve. They're offering buy one bottle, get your second one today for free. Buy one bottle, get a second one today for free. When you go to OmegaXL.com slash Steve, or you give them a call at one 800 Uh, 844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. Can I call a quick foul on myself, by the way, Uh before we go back? So I I got the call yesterday evening that the situation in Oklahoma City had become more dire, right? You know? And so I can't sleep. You know, I can't settle down. And everybody's gone to bed. And I'm like, what am I going to do? You know? And I decided to get caught back up. Uh, I watched more of that Get Back documentary uh, on Disney Plus about- the Beatles, oh, right. okay, that that is just phenomenal, dude. The second part, they literally like start breaking up. George like walks out, okay. Paul is thinking of confronting John about Yoko Ono hanging around too much and listening to her more than the band, and and they haven't they won't break up for like another year, but like all the conversations that lead to their breakup are all on this video, and I'm and I realized, I I might have picked the absolute worst thing ever to watch <laughs> given what's going on with me right now i need to sell me 
after making that uh, decision last night. Then I wondered why I couldn't get to sleep at 1, 1.30 after watching. It just made me worse watching the Beatles break up like in real time, okay? And even there's even a line where Paul says out loud, you know, in his English accent, 50 years from now, and it is 50 years from now, 50 years from now, people are going to look at this and they're going to think, the Beatles broke up over this? It's dumb. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, indeed, it is. All right, I'm sorry, Aaron, go ahead. That's funny. Uh, moving on, Infrared41 says, the 10 best college football helmets, number 10, North Carolina. Underrated because of the color scheme. I don't know if it's the best, but I, you guys know I love their colors, so I'll put that there. Helmet sell. Number nine, Miami. No, hard sell. No way. It's a great logo, but I'm not a fan of the helmet. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell. No. Mm, sell. Number eight, Auburn. Sell. Just an AU, man, on a white helmet. Yeah. That's all it is. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, number seven, Georgia. Todd, would you know this? Did the Green Bay Packers uh, logo come for, first or did Georgia's logo? I honestly have no idea. I would, I would assume it's. Green Bay Packers. I gotta sell. There's 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 a lot yeah. better helmets than George's. Yeah. So uh number six, LSU. Oh, total buy. If anything, it's too low, but I love LSU's helmet. Especially when they wear the purple unis. Yeah. Mm, yeah where you, you're not to, with the tiger and the LSU. LSU and the gold. I love their yeah, helmet. So. Yeah. I am a I'm a I'm a buy. Uh number four, Notre Dame. Bye. Oh, we okay. skipped number five. No, we did LSU. That's number six. There is oh, he didn't have a number five. Nine, just ten, nine, eight, seven, six, yeah, he didn't four, have a number three, five. Two, one. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Oh well. Got to buy Notre Dame. Yeah, you got to have USC on there, or or Penn State on there with that iconic look. But yes, Notre Dame has to be bought. You bet. Number three, Florida State. Uh, yeah. Yes. Bye. They've they've kind of you know changed it a tad, but yeah, still a buy. Great helmet. Uh, number two, Ohio State, once the Buckeye stickers are in place. Yeah, I'd, I'd put Notre Dame higher, but I certainly think it's no lower than like three or four, so sure. Yeah, bye. Number one, Michigan. I mean, it's the most iconic, it, it, you know, headgear in all of American sports. I just, I mean, I just learned- We had guys come play here because they wanted to wear that helmet. I just so. learned randomly this week, I happened to see some show. They did a football show about best uh, helmets. Mm-hmm. In, during the halftime of the women's national soccer game, <laughs> honestly, it'd be on uh, ESPN. Sounds like a weird dream. On ESPNU, yeah. So they, this is the filler that they have on there. Okay. I didn't. I and they, th- their version of the story is wh- how the wing helmets came to be. Mm-hmm. Do you know why they? Yeah, Fritz Chrysler wanted re- to, to the receivers to be able to see yeah. the ball down <laughs> the field. He had used this device. I yeah. think he had coached at Princeton, and he had put the wings on the helmets there, and it helped their passing see, game. Yeah. That. I I love that. I mean, it looks cool now, but I love the fact that there's a yeah, there's a real a utility story to it. Yeah. other than you know the it the equivalent pretty. of some millennial that they ask, "Can you design something cool for us back then?" No. Yes. There was a real cool story. There. I mean, Penn State's helmet has to be their Texas's helmet with the with the burnt orange steer yeah. on the white. Absolutely has to be on yeah. there. USC's helmet has to be on there for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh let's see. What about Oregon's helmet? Which one? <laughs> One of the 50. Yeah, yeah, elements. which one? Yeah. Uh, Sean Griffith. It just has Pac-12. a mask on it, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sean Griffith says the Pac-12 is basically a mid-major football conference. Heck, BYU went 5-0 and against them, including easily defeating their eventual champ, Utah. I don't think I don't think they'd beat Utah today. Well, I mean, Utah had a diff- was playing a different quarterback yeah. then, but the spirit of this, I think, right now is correct. Yeah. I'll buy. I agree. And in fact, it's going to become more so depending on who Oregon hires. Because of what USC just did with Lincoln Riley. 
I mean, at least when Pete Carroll was at USC, you had Chip Kelly at Oregon at the peak of his uh, at the if the peak of his career. You had Jim Harbaugh at you know at Stanford. Tell me who's the tell me with if, with Lincoln Riley at USC. Who's the number two program in the Pac-12? Who's the, who's their who's the who's their foil? I don't they don't have one right now. They're 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 going to be way ahead of everybody else. Way ahead, depending on what the hire that Oregon is about to make. Because Oregon can get Nike and get that NIL money to get recruits. But I mean, USC's. I don't think Lincoln Riley's as good of a coach as Pete Carroll. At least not yet. But the gap right that USC will have with Lincoln Riley, compared to the next best team in the in the Pac-12, will be larger. Depending on what Oregon does, then what will exi- then what existed when Carroll was there, even in his heyday. I mean, Cal still had Aaron Rodgers and Beast Mode. They were number one, number two in the country. There's no team like that right now in the Pac-12. None. I don't think it's all that drastic, but I will still buy based on the basic premise. You know, when running a business, human resource issues can kill you. So can union thugs. Uh, but. Uh, wrongful termination, lawsuits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, regardless of what it is, you need a human resource manager, unfortunately. They do not come cheap. In fact, they come with an average salary of $70,000 a year right now. That's why Bambi was created. It's just for small businesses just like yours. And it's just like it sounds. Bam and B. B-A-M-B-E-E. B-A-M. BEE. They give you a dedicated HR manager available by phone, email, real-time chat. They handle everything for all your human resources needs. And it's month to month if you'd like. No hidden fees. You can cancel at any time. Uh, you can't so if you're in a season right now, if you have well, you run a seasonal business, you still need help, but you don't need anybody maybe late, you know, um on staff full time. You need somebody right now, though. This is a perfect option for you. All right, so uh, let Bambi give you a free HR audit today. Go to Bambi.com slash Steve for your free HR audit to see how much and if they can help you. At Bambi.com slash Steve. Again, Bambi.com slash Steve. And it's all for just 99 bucks a month. All right, uh, moving on. You. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I guess I get to toss it to you. Daisy and memes for unvaccinated fiends <laughs> has a meme me for us. This is from... Uh, Pontifex, or Pontiff, I should say, uh, Anthony Fauci. Truly, truly, I say to you, it is easier for a Kamala to pass through an Iowa caucus than for an unvaccinated person to enter the kingdom of heaven. First Fauchelonians, 1984. Given that she couldn't even make it to the Iowa caucus, all right, and dropped out like a month or two before we even voted, um, uh, I've got to sell on this. It's actually harder for a Kamala to pass through an Iowa caucus because she was an Ofer. Okay, she, I got, I got, I got as many votes in the 2020 Iowa Democratic or six, yeah, 16 Iowa Democratic caucuses as Kamala Harris did. Okay, no, it was 20. I got as many votes as she did, guys. All right, so she's a zero, a zero. All right, so I've got to sell on this as much as I think it's clever and I love yeah, it. All I know is there's a Jesse Kelly joke in there somewhere, just waiting to come out. <laughs> Nice. Uh, next, Tiny Johnny has a Mount Rushmore of top music genres in a specific decade, and he's got these in order. Oh, this is, I can see it right now. This is my love language right Number here. Number four, 90s country. I love that era of country. Totally in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you buying, Todd? Buy. It's, it's certainly transformational for, uh, I mean, everything from, you know, Garth yep. on. Yeah. Yeah. Number three, 60s singer songwriter. I got to buy. I mean, that's that's where a lot of the mustard seeds of what the kind of music we grew up loving and listening to was born there. Yet you hate one of its greatest contributions. Yes, I do. Bob Dylan. Yeah. 
I don't uh, hate him. I just think I think he's a brilliant songwriter. There must be some other way out of here. <laughs> Said the Joker to the thing. There's too much confusion. I can't get no relief. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to listen to that for an hour and a half. Maybe. Okay. That's why I liked it when Jimi Hendrix did it instead. Okay. Thank you. Uh, number two, 80s pop. I so. love, dude, it's such a white trash move to put it ahead of those other two yeah, that I have to buy. I w- it would be on my list. It would just be behind. It would be four. But it, I love, I love, dude, you're, the level of white trash it took to do that, I respect. So I have to buy. And number one, oh, sorry, are you selling, Todd? I was selling, yeah. yeah. Yes. Number one, 70s rock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I thought that was a great list. That's a great yeah. list, yeah. Uh, do we have time for one more? How about this? Fighting words. Joseph Fish says the Lord of the Rings is a better story than Star Wars. Oh, bye. bye. It's a much deeper, richer story. Star Wars is derivative of many of those themes. Yep. Yeah. So I don't think it's a con- controversial at all. I think it would be controversial to have the opposite of take, actually. All right. We'll come back. The Prophet of Woe and Lamentation will join us here next. Stay tuned. So are you stuck on what to give to your friends and family this year? Wish them some merry softness and a happy new rear. That's kind of cheesy, but it was in the script and I liked it. Uh, From our friends over at Tommy John with new comfy underwear, loungewear, and pajamas from the best. From Tommy John. You know, they gave me a sample of these when they first came on board uh, back in 2019. And and I love them so much, I've gone back and at least a half dozen times out of my own pocket to purchase more of their stuff. It is the absolute greatest underwear I have ever worn. I'm, yes, in case you were wondering, or you're just um, freaky, I am wearing it right now. Uh, Yes, I won't show it to you, but you'll just have to take my word for it. I can show it to Todd later, though, if you would like. Nope. You good? I'm more than good. (laughs) So, if you want to be good, too, uh, you can get 20% off your first order at uh, TommyJohn.com. Todd will tell me after the show, this is one of my least effective sales pitches, by the way. Uh, TommyJohn.com slash Steve. And yes, they've got stuff for the ladies, too. But since my name's not Lindsey Graham, I cannot personally attest to how that fits. Okay. Uh, but um, if it's anything like what the guys wear, although Lindsay probably is very familiar with how and what the guys are wearing underneath these days. So uh, TommyJohn.com slash Steve for 20% off when you go to TommyJohn.com slash Steve. Let's go to the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz. It is good to see you, brother. How are you? I'm doing all right, Steve. How are you? Uh, I could be better, but I could be a lot worse. Let's get to some of the latest data going on out there. I, I mean, I, I don't want to discuss the whole debt ceiling. That's just the Republican Party just screwing their voters. That's, you know, that's tomorrow and the day before and 10 years ago and five years later. Okay. You know what? I do want to ask you about this, though, really quick, because I, I, this is a story developing now that I haven't had time to get to that I want to get your take on. So Trump has apparently dropped Vernon Jones as a primary challenger to uh, uh, to Brian um What's his face in Georgia? Brian Kemp. Kemp. Thank you. Okay. And now he's glommed on to David Perdue, who his own base disdains. All right. Is Stacey Abrams going to end up winning as the governor down there in a year where Republicans or Democrats are going to get annihilated pretty much everywhere? Could that poop show going on down there in Georgia make Stacey Abrams now the actual 
not presumptive, but rightful governor of Georgia? Or is it still too early for that? So so putting aside the ADE version of electoral ballots, you know, where they kind of mutate, uh, <laughs> let's just say it's a fair nice analogy. normal election. Yes. Um, I don't see that happening because people are so desperate and they badly want to go somewhere. The problem is the only where to go is the Republican Party. So you could put up Mickey Mouse as the Republican. The Republican yeah. will win, certainly in Georgia. I'm not worried about that. The, the problem is the Republican Party is worse than the Democrats. At this point, the Republicans are the greatest th- force for COVID fascism. Because naturally, organically, their narrative is falling apart. You see the momentum in the courts. They're losing. The Republicans are actually keeping it alive by promoting the shots, by by blocking the proper way of dealing with this. So that's my concern. The only thing worse than not primarying people is taking someone for whom there already is a market to primary and ensuring you can't get someone decent in there and just do a bait and switch and you know with someone who is pretty much the same. All right. Then let's go to Omicron. I have been tweeting out the last few days looking at this data, a theme, because to me, I I don't see a variant. I see something more. I see a control group. So South Africa, where they claim this originated in early November, which I don't believe, by the way, but we'll just go with their own narrative because it makes my case for me. So I'll stick with their narrative. Okay. So the last seven days, despite only 25% of that population double jabbed. South Africa has been 92nd in the world among countries with COVID death rate. Well below places like Canada, Germany. Germany's one of the worst in the world right now, by the way. But uh, Germany, Canada, the U.S. And I, I have noticed, boy, our percentage of double jabbed people has been like 56 or 57% here for about two months, Daniel. It, it doesn't seem like these attempts at mandates are driving people to the drugstore or the Walmart to sign up for this. It seems that that number has been pretty stagnant, but we'll set that aside for now. So anyway, am I wrong that Omicron here, if we're going to go with the South African origin story, okay, then what you're looking at here is a control group. Because otherwise, how do you explain uh, such an exceedingly low jab rate and yet... It's, it, it's fatalities compared to previous epidemic curves in South Africa, way, way, way lower. How do we explain that? So, I mean, obviously the narrative out from everywhere where we see is something very specific, that all the cases are mild, even asymptomatic, um, something we haven't heard about kind of, you know, since a while, since before the Pfizer variant. And, you know, their narrative is, oh my gosh, Omicron, the world's going to end, therefore you need the vax. And the reality is, it's really mild and the vax doesn't work for whatever symptoms you do have. Particularly what they're noticing is that people don't need oxygenation and that's the 800 pound gorilla in the room. That's what makes this different from a run of the mill flu for those that have the pulmonary problems. You know, we don't need something to get rid of the cold or a flu. What you don't want is the, is the blood oxygen levels dropping and, and they're not seeing that. What is so bizarre, Steve, is that in most places in the world, really everywhere, Delta is still killing the hell out of people and the vaccine's not working for it. Yet they want to focus on a squirrel, which frankly might be a blessing in disguise. I mean, I'm just a little bit hesitant to say this, Steve, because Delta did appear to start out that way, at least in England. Mm -hmm. If you remember originally before Pfizer leaked, 
That's why I call it the Pfizer variant. And there now is a new study out from Marseille University, first in its kind, where they looked at the affinity of different variants for antibody-dependent disease enhancement, which basically means that rather than sucking in neutralizing antibodies, which kill the virus, <clears throat> uh, it brings on board, it binds to enhancing antibodies, which are Trojan horse antibodies that basically latch onto the virus, don't kill it, but guide it through your cells, which is kind of what we're seeing. So the theory is that Delta was never going to be worse had we not had a vaccine, but where it was worse is that it was more prone to that affinity for binding antibodies created by the vaccine. And the question is, does Omicron do that? If it does not do that, which we pray to God is the case, this is this is ball game over. Because, Steve, this is a cold. There's even a lot of information, and I'm getting information third-hand from doctors that treat this in South Africa, that a lot of people that had prior infection are getting Omicron. But that's a good thing. Because, Steve, you don't have immunity to a cold. Right. Uh, you can get a coronavirus cold more than once in your life, certainly a rhinovirus. That would be a actually good news. I've always said um, natural immunity will last forever unless it attenuates into a cold, um, for which, you know, that's that's the best news of all. How about the Pfizer CEO, former horse doctor, by the way, literally, um, claiming that uh, we don't want that to happen because um, if, if billions of people get infected, or even if it's milder now, it could mutate to something worse later. My response to that was, well, number one, A, dude, your product doesn't stop people from getting the virus now anyway. That's what we learned the hard way. But then number two, why aren't you making a vaccine to eradicate the common cold then? Why are you concerned that that won't morph into mutate into something worse later on? I mean, the I mean, the amount of feces that just spew forth from these people's evil pie holes that are that can be easily deconstructed by Juco, uh, you know, Juco grads like myself is just truly remarkable. But even if Omicron becomes because you're right, we saw this early with the, with the Delta wave, too, in England. But see, Daniel, we win the argument even if Omicron goes the way of Delta. Because, again, we have a control group. Why did that happen when it got to these Western countries, Daniel? Why didn't it happen? Why did it happen when it got to these heavily vaxxed Western countries? In South Africa, where they still have millions of people that are underprivileged, underserved, a primitive healthcare system for the average uh, South African compared to what we have here in most of these Western countries— why was it able to attenuate there? And then when it got to us, it got so much more serious. Even if it goes the way of Delta, we win the argument here. I don't see how we lose this argument either way, frankly. That's why it's important that we lay this marker down. I pray this doesn't happen, but this is why I'm just a little bit um, concerned about prematurely declaring this over with. Without the vac, see, I can vouch for natural biology. I can't vouch for what we're doing now. Sure. This, to begin with, um, there's questions where I think we all kind of suspect that this thing was manipulated, this version of it. So what trick does it have up its sleeve? But number two, with the mass vaccination and now everyone getting third shots, what does that do to this? What sort of suboptimal evolutionary pressure does it place on it? So like you said, their narrative now is, well, you let something hang out longer. It kind of like is more prone to mutating. No, it's the vaccine that mutates it. Uh, we now have a first of its kind Michigan State University study. I was just, just going to ask you about this. Yes, folks, I want you to pay a, a very close attention to what Daniel's about to say. This they is a study that came out from at, Michigan State yesterday. Go ahead, Daniel. What they did is they looked at all of the mutant. They, they, they sequenced, I mean, t looked at 
2.2 million sequenced genomes in America and Europe. And they found in R squared a direct, very strong correlation between vaccination rates and um, viral immune escape mutant strains. Okay? It is very clear that it is a suboptimal leaky vaccine that creates mutations, but not just mutations, mutations are fine, but it creates viral immunity. It creates escape variants that become more durable. See, none of us, people posited our position wrongly. We're not saying that it created Delta. It cre These things were fine. It always mutates it when we knew coronaviruses mutate. It's usually not a problem. And if anything, it naturally mutates down. But if you give it a workout by shooting at the king, but missing, Suboptimal, very narrow spectrum, leaky vaccines. This is what it does. There is a brilliant article in Quanta magazine from 2018 about what leaky vaccines will do. They talk about Merrick's uh, chicken vaccine with the, the 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 leaky vaccine there, as well as HIV, anthrax, and um, uh, hepatitis, I believe, uh, malaria. That they or yeah, malaria was the third one, not hepatitis that are leaky vaccines and they couldn't succeed. And and what they explain would happen is exactly what's happening. Robert Malone tweeted that article out December 5th. December 6th, they put, after three and a half years of being dormant on the internet, they put an editor's note, no, don't use this for coronavirus. Those things stop transmission. What? No one says that. There's more transmission than ever. You could theoretically posit it will mutate more if you have a sterilizing vaccine and then you don't use the vaccine. This is a non-sterilizing vaccine. Everyone agrees. Uh, we see more transmission than ever. It certainly can't stop it. In fact, it is what is causing the viral immune escapes. We pray to God uh, Omicron is the end to it. If it ever gets more virulent, never forget what the culprit is. This is data courtesy of Kyle Lamb, who works for Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida. Uh, he was looking at data compared to this juncture a year ago with now. And I want to look at the top three states that he looked at, because these are three, I think, of the six most vaccinated states in the union. And, the, and Vermont is number one. OK, so on December 8th of 2021, Vermont has 94 total hospitalizations for COVID. Daniel, 31 in the ICU. At this juncture last year, on the same date, it was 28 total hospitalizations and only four in the ICU. In New Hampshire, 438 people right now hospitalized, 105 in the ICU. On this date a year ago, it was 216 people hospitalized and only 51 in the ICU. And in Maine, today, 373 hospitalizations with 121 of them in the ICU. And at this date a year ago, only 179 hospitalizations and 60 in the ICU. Again, these are, I think, three of the six most vaccinated states in the union in Vermont. I think it's tied for number one. How do we explain this? Well, Steve, I'll add another data point he gave was Michigan. And, you know, those other places didn't have such big waves until now. Northern New England uh, was kind of the last frontier in America. But Michigan had two large waves, mm -hmm. and they're still outpacing uh, their their uh, hospital uh, numbers from last year and ICU numbers per proportion. Couple things. Number one, I mean, we've administered 8.23 billion billion doses of vaccines for COVID in the world. I think 463 million in the United States. Think about that. And and this is the result again. That hints to ADE. Um, that hints to viral 
uh, uh, vaccine-mediated viral enhancement, there's no question the vaccine is killing more people by making the virus worse. It first closes in on the unvaccinated, like with Merrick's chickens. It screws them over, and then eventually it wears off for them uh, as well. Um, another important observation to those numbers, Steve, if I had told you 20 months ago that the death rate in the hospitals in, in the hospitals themselves, meaning the rate of progression from ER admission to ICU would not get any better and perhaps would get worse. No one would have believed that. Everyone would have mm -hmm. thought, yeah, you, you know, after a couple months, we'll get a handle on this. Think about that. That's a whole nother side to this. Yeah, the Whatever. denial of early treatments for all of these people. How many people have early died that didn't have to? Yeah. But also the hospital protocols once it's later too. Yep. They have not improved one iota and likely the remdesivir, which came around the you know, more late last year as a standard, is killing people. But think about that, Steve. That in in with in mod with modern medicine, we are twenty months into this. And it's the same story. Those people come in, their oxygen levels in the low 90s, very salvageable, and many of them do not come out. Something is seriously wrong with that point alone Amen. when you look at the ratio of increases in ICU admissions. Amen. Good to see you, brother. Well said. Thank you, man. Thanks. Appreciate all your see you work. next week. You bet. Daniel brought to you by realestateagentsitrust.com. If you are getting involved in the real estate market during these unprecedented times, Bing. make sure you go in with an agent that you can trust. Where would you find them? Well, the name says it all at realestateagentsitrust.com. If you trust Glenn Beck, you can trust this. This is one of his businesses because he ran into agents he couldn't trust. So he didn't want that to happen to us. So they found that there were some trustworthy agents in this audience, first and foremost. And from there, this business just kind of grew. And, and now there's an entire network so that just about anywhere you want to move to or from, we can help you find an agent that will take charge of your situation. But remember that you ultimately are the one in charge here. So head to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, that's pretty much it for us. we got like 30 seconds, right? So... We're going to stick around and record the overtime. Uh, recall that we kind of started this show a little non-traditional with, uh, I had to put out the, the bat signal and you guys are answering, man, like champs. Thank you so much. Uh, but it meant we didn't have Aaron's montage and all righteousness on this show must be fulfilled. We cannot go a day without Aaron's montage. So we will have it in the overtime and then we will break it down for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash days. For the rest of you, a brand new evergreen show the next two days while I head to Oklahoma City for the movie. Until Monday, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.